We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. Last week we began to talk about something that is so near and dear to my heart, and it's something that I'm very passionate about, and that is knowing God, knowing God in a greater way. We talked or discovered last week that we don't want to know God in a casual knowledge. It's not just, oh yeah, I know God. We don't want to just know God as a belief, because we found out there's a whole lot of people who say they believe in God, but there's not many people who really know God. We found out that belief and knowledge are two very different, very different things. So we don't want just a casual knowledge and we don't want just a heart knowledge. But rather we want to know God in such a realm of intimacy. Do I hear an amen? We want to know God intimately. We want to know every part of God. We want to know Him in a special way. We want to know Him in a real way in every one of our lives. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Last week we took a knowing him test. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles again, and let's just read this test again from 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. How do we know God? We took the knowing God test. And here it goes. It says in 1 John 2, verse 3 and 4, Now by this we know that we know him. Pretty simple, huh? This is how we know that we know him. Here's the answer. If we keep his commandments. How do we know God? By keeping his commandments. Plain and simple. You know, I love that about God. God doesn't complicate stuff. We're the ones that complicate it. God makes it really easy. We're the ones that muddy the water. To God, it's black or white. It's either this way or it's not. It's either truth or it's a lie. And we've got to realize that. So if we know God, the Bible says we'll keep his commandments. Verse 4, he who says, I know God. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, we know first name basis. I know God. But notice what it goes on to say. And does not keep his commandments. He's a liar. You're a liar. And the Bible says that the truth is not in you. The truth. What is the truth? The truth is God. You don't have God. Inside of your life. Wow, every time I read that, it hits me again. Has anyone turned to that verse this week and just read it a couple of times? I have. I've turned to it a couple of times and said, God, did I kind of misread that? Thank God for his absolute honesty. Tonight, though, I want to discuss and I want to hear your thoughts. Trey's got a microphone and we're going to pass it around again and I'll try and cover some too. But here's what I want to hear your thoughts on tonight in the realm of knowing God. I want to talk tonight just quickly and discuss what are some of the inhibitors that we face and struggle with when it comes to knowing God. What are some of the inhibitors? What are some of the 
pitfalls or what are some of the, what about this way what are some of the voices that we hear does any of you kind of hear voices in your head and you know we're not admitting that we're crazy but there's voices aren't there that speak there's things out there that screams that tells us that we're silly to believe this way or we're silly to believe that but we've got to remember that the voices that we hear the struggles that we face we're not alone we talked about that Sunday morning too and it's a great releasing factor to know that I'm not alone in what I think and what I go through but what's what are some of the inhibitors who's going to go first come on what are some of the inhibitors that we face in knowing God or coming to a place where we know God in a greater way one of them is family and friends who don't believe the same thing that we believe or who are not saved and they don't understand why we go to church. And they said, you don't have to go to church that much. I believe in God, but you don't have to do that. So a lot of it is family and friends that we're not strong enough to tell them about the Lord and, and what thus says the word. Cool. Family and friends. Anyone else? Do we have a mic? Is the battery dead? Oh, okay. You got it? It's taking the time to listen and finding that time during the day, not just praying, but stopping and taking the time to listen. Cool. The Bible says be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes we need to get still, Mr. Neath. It's a willingness to give up control. You know, a lot of times you, there's something that you need to talk to God about and you, you say, oh, I'm going to turn this worry over to God and then I find myself taking it back. You know, he's saying... He really doesn't have time to be bothered with this right now. You know, I'll take care of it. And and that that we can't really know God if we can't just turn it all over. You know. Cool. Anyone else? I mean, I know I'm not the only one that deals with deals with this on a daily basis. But you believe in what overpowers you, right? Say that again. You do. You become a slave to whatever overpowers you. Correct. Well, I deal with this on a daily basis. And I see it not only in me, but friends, family, neighbors. I mean, to most people I know, money is like an idol. They worship money. But uh, it seems that, you know, we've been, me and Das have been going through some tough times financially. And uh, we stress out more about money than we do about church. You know, it's like, we just don't know what to do. Is it just the things of this world, Dad? I think one inhibitor is uh, believing that you're worthy of the blessings you receive. You know, I struggle with that all the time, you know, and it's a daily thing I have to fight. Okay, Okay. just the lies of the enemy. I think one of the biggies is um, when we mess up. Okay. Instead of repenting and going on and moving on, I think we tend to wallow sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. But I've, I've been learning how to just not let it dwell on me, yeah. to look at it and say, well, oh, I'm late for prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm late. All right. Well, maybe I didn't hear the phone or whatever. But now, okay, I'm late. Lord, I'm sorry I'm late, but I'm going to pray right now. Come on. Because it's not going to make any difference. It's going to make a difference if I don't pray. 
but it might still make a difference if I still pray even late. Come on, come on. Anyone else? Phil? Can you turn me down in this mic? It's really loud if you can. I think uh, the, the first step is um, being of the Spirit of God because God is Spirit, and without His Spirit, we cannot really relate to God. And uh, a lot of us might have the Spirit, but because we don't exercise in the Spirit, we're not really sensitive to the Spirit, so we're easily overpowered by what's around us. Okay, okay. Dan? And I'm not going to say HT. <laughs> but I think we ourselves are our biggest hindrances and our biggest inhibitors. Yeah. Self, each other. Anyone else? Bill? That goes with what I was going to say. Until we realize who we are in Christ Jesus, we'll continually be plagued with guilt. We'll continually be plagued with, you know, I could have done better. I could have. Well, the answer is you can't. You have to believe that he did what he did for us. And you can rest in that. Cool. Cool. Anyone else? Trey? Um, I know in my life at, a, at one point it was unforgiveness. That I couldn't get to where I'm at now in my relationship with God until I forgave certain people in my family for the pain and stuff. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of us is that we've been hurt so much by the closest people in our lives that even though we try to forgive them, we try to do the the politically correct thing by being nice to them, we still haven't let that burden go in our hearts. And that we're going to sleep every night mad, upset, hurt, but yet they go to sleep probably not even really knowing or even caring what they've done to us. And when I realized that is when my life really changed in God that I just said, you know, I'll, I just let it go. Anyone else tonight? What inhibits us from knowing God? Angela? I think a lot of times, too, especially people who have uh, had a bad past struggle with this feeling of um, being punished for past sins, Um, even though we've been forgiven um, when harsh times face us our minds just seem to go back to um, whatever we've done in the past. And um, that's where we have to know that we are forgiven of that and we are worthy. That's right. I used to work with a guy in Atlanta. He came into work one day and and, and I can't remember, something hit his side. He went, oh, and I said, what's wrong with you? He said, oh, nothing. I said, no, what's wrong with you? And finally he lifted up his shirt and he had a massive burn mark. I said, what happened? He said, well, last night, he said, I stood over the stove and I heated a knife till it was red hot and I just burnt myself. And this was a grown man who had two kids. And I said, why would you do that? He said, I'm just punishing myself. Just the inner struggle, the inner attack that people can say, well, that's crazy. No, that's real. It's real attacks. These are real things. That Anyone else got anything before I just kind of sum it up and just take it tonight? To add to everything, um, I think also disappointments. Awesome. How many have ever been disappointed? (laughs) Disappointed. Can I say this? Disappointed at the time, but later thrilled. Um, It doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of the disappointments is just because things don't go our way. But sometimes, or most of the time, if not all the time, we'll come to the realization, thank God, that he did it his way. 
Well, there's a scripture that says that um, he inhabits the praises of his people. And I think, I mean, I know for me, I, I mean, I, I believe that, that worshiping him or, you know, coming to his courts with thanksgiving uh, and to his courts with praise, that that beginning to know who he is, we've got to come to that place. And one good avenue to do that is to start praising him and worshiping him. And then, you know, coming after praising him and worshiping him a while, then we get still and quiet, just like some people have said, time to to listen. But, you know, the the approach is, is important. So, Anyone else? I got one last thing. Maybe it's just that Trey Ana show tonight. <laughs> Because we, it's not a lot of us. We don't just have you know one thing holding us back. There's several. I know something that even today, I, sometimes I still struggle with. It is excuses. <laughs> Megan's probably like kind of smiling. <laughs> it's amazing, like when whether it's people or if it's God requiring to do something before we even just take a second to realize it could be something amazing. We're so quick to just make an excuse to why we can't do it. Come on. How many would admit that there are many inhibitors that we face? Why do we face those? I'll tell you why. Because Satan knows, listen to me, Satan knows the importance of keeping us distant from God. Satan understands or knows the results that's going to happen, Bishop, when we have a close relationship with God. Satan knows those results better than we do. Come on, it's sad to, sad to admit, but he knows greater than we do. That's why we have such struggle. That's why we go through these. Because he knows what will begin to take place when we fully realize what is available and what is possible through knowing God. There's an intimacy, yes, in knowing God. But the benefits, the results, the rewards, the life that comes... Through knowing God is incredible. Since the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, Satan's plan was to disconnect man from God. Come on. Wasn't it? To disconnect. Driving a sin wedge between them that no longer would they be in fellowship with. No longer would they walk and talk together. But there was a separation. And you and I, every one of you tonight is just given such awesome, and I appreciate your honesty tonight in the answers that you have given. All the inhibitors that try to constantly keep us from God. Tonight, quickly, I want to give you a major inhibitor that I believe is one of the greatest inhibitors that keeps us from God. And that is this. Are you ready? Why would God love me? One of the greatest inhibitors, maybe the biggest inhibitor of all is this. Why would God love me? Why would God love me? Come on, have you ever asked yourself that question? And you've probably asked yourself that question many times. Sometimes, many times daily. What is it that God sees in me that's lovable? I've had to ask myself, I mean, why God? I mean, come on. Why is that? Because I see all my faults and all my failures. I see my mistakes. I see my shortcomings. And I look and say, why God? What is there in me that you would see lovable? You know, here's the, here's the reality. We all know John 3.16. We can realize, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, you know what? Thank God for that. We've seen the bumper stickers, God is love. Come on, we've heard the messages, how he loves us. We've all sang the songs, I could sing of your love 
forever. I mean, we know all the songs, love, love, love. We've heard it. It's bombarded us. But it's amazing. It's one thing to hear something, and it's another thing to understand it and accept it in your hearts. Come on, it's not that any of us in here, I believe, for one second ever begins to believe that God doesn't love people. Come on, we know God loves people. But we just don't believe that he could love us. It's amazing, isn't it? We believe that God can love people. But yet there's a breakdown that we get to that place where how can he love us? And you know what happens when we begin to question why would God love us? You know what we do, Bishop? We begin to shield ourselves and hide from God. We begin to pull ourselves back. Come on, those of you who knows what it is in the natural to have been hurt and to gone through rejections in relationships and stuff, what is the tendency of people to throw their arms and embrace people? No, what happens? They pull back. There's calluses. They, they get a little bit weary. So in the natural, what do they do? They pull back because they don't want to face the rejection. And in the hurt anymore. It's the same spiritually, whether we realize it or not. When we get to that place where we say, God couldn't love me. You know what we do? We pull ourselves back thinking that we're avoiding the risk of being rejected. What a lie, because God has never rejected anyone. Come on, God is not the rejecter. God does not reject mankind. The Bible says God doesn't will that any should perish, but that all. So how can we break through this mindset, this way of thinking? Can I give you a few steps tonight that I hope will help you as we try to understand how God and accept the fact that God loves us? Step number one, you've got to realize it's an undeserved love. You've got to realize that. What do we mean by that? In other words, we don't deserve it. I think it was Miss Deborah said, we're not worthy. The reality is, you know, we feel that, but the reality is we're not worthy. The reality is we're not good enough. Come on now. The reality is that we could never earn or do enough to really be in that place that we need to be in our lives. There's nothing we can do to deserve the love of God. We've all done so many terrible things that make us prime candidates, come on, to be part of the unloved crew. But you and I have got to realize this, and that is the love that God has for us. It's an undeserved love. You know, we've done such terrible things, but God still loves us. We're not alone in feeling that we don't deserve it. You know what Paul said? Paul, the guy who wrote, what, about two-thirds of the New Testament? He says these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles who is not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Here's Paul turning around and saying, Listen, I'm nothing. I'm the least. I'm, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. But you know what? God still used him. I said, God still used him in such an incredible way. You've got to realize that if we're looking to deserve it, none of us do. So it's really liberating to know, you know, that the love of God, I don't deserve it. But yet he still gives it to me. The main reason, you see, we don't feel that we deserve it is because of guilt. We know the things we do. We know the things we did. We know perhaps even the things that we plan to do. We know these things and therefore the guilt comes upon us that we say, well, there's no way that God could love me. I know me. You know what? I know me too well. <laughs> Scary sometimes. I know me. I know how much I don't deserve it. 
And you probably feel exactly the same about yourself. Guilt, you know, letting God down. I hate to let God down. Just that guilt of letting Him down. But then there's another thought, and that is this, realizing that it's undeserved and the fact that, you know, there is guilt and all this, but we've got to push through that. Another reason, too, is in the struggle that we come with that we feel insignificant. Have you ever felt insignificant? Come on, have you ever felt that, you know what, among six billion people plus in this world, how is God even going to know who I am? Oh, it's all right for the pastor. It's all right for Aaron leading praise and worship. God hears their prayer, but me? God doesn't hear me. I'm just a number to God. I'm just insignificant. I'm just a nobody. It's amazing when we think like that. Do you know we're not alone? You know that Moses, Moses, the man that God called to lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness. Listen to what Moses said in Exodus 3 verse 11. And you don't have to turn there because we're flying through it tonight. It may be up on the screen. If not, no big deal. Just listen. Exodus 3 verse 11 says, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And that I should bring the children out of Israel. Who am I? Moses was saying, I'm just insignificant. You would choose me? Yeah, God chose you. What about David? David said the same in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. He says, who am I? Who am I? What about Gideon in Judges 6, verse 15 and 16? Gideon says, hey, I'm the weakest in my family. And if you haven't checked God, my family is the worst of the bunch. I mean, is that not what he said? Hey, my family's the weakest and I'm the weakest leak in my family. You know what Gideon said? God, I think you made a mistake. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Here's three greats of the Bible that fell insignificant in their life. But what is insignificant? It's a tool of Satan to bring us out of the significance that God has purposed for each one of us. Here's a mind-boggling thought for every one of you. Write down this thought. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or to love you less. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or make you love you less. It's incredible thought. It's undeserved love. Yes, I'm not worthy of it. Yes, I perhaps feel insignificant, but you know what? He still loves me. He still loves me. He still loves me. You know what? We have got to this mindset that we think that God just loves us, Trey, because we're good. But you know what that thought pattern then would mean? That if I'm not good, he doesn't love me. Is that not really what we're saying? If I'm good, then God's going to love me. So what we're really saying is the flip side is if I'm not good or not so good, he's not going to love me. It's not the love. That's not the way of thinking. So we've got to realize first and foremost, the first step is this. It's an undeserved love that he's given to us no matter what. It's there. Whether we are guilty or whether we're significant, it's still there for us. We don't deserve it, but yet he has given it freely to us. Which is the second step, and that is this. Realizing this, it's a love from above. It's a greater love than we can ever comprehend. And that's the problem so often. How can God, we think too much with our minds instead of accepting it with our hearts. What I mean is this, it's a love that's above you and it's a love that was way before you. What do you mean it was a love that was way before you? Before the foundation of this world. Read Psalms 139. Before the foundation of this world, God hand formed you and fashioned you, knew your days, loved you, cared about you, skillfully wrought you together. It's a love that goes way beyond you. It's a love that's way 
before you. Listen to what 1 John 4 verse 8 says. He who does not love does not know God. Wow, that's another good one, huh? If you don't love, you don't know God. But notice what it says. For God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Love, write down this. Love is not something God does. Love is who God is. Love is not something he does. It's not an act that he says, oh, I'm going to love today. He doesn't have a choice to love or not because he is love. So therefore, there is no choice. Love, the love that God has for us is so above and beyond every one of us. God loves you. Love is not something he does. It's who God is. And because of who he is, God loves you. End of story, period. You can't make him love you more. You can't make him love you less. God loves you. It's not a choice of love, which we have made it to be. Come on, the illustration with the little daisies. Come on, ladies, probably more than the guys. How many of you got those little daisies and took a petal? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I heard someone say this and listen to this. God in heaven only raises one petal daisies in his garden. He loves you. He loves you. God in his garden in heaven only raises one petal daisies. It's not, do I love him? Do I not love him? Oh, does God love me now? God loves you. Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a love that's far above us and goes before us. That's so powerful. I said, that's awesome tonight. You are loved. So it's undeserved. Accept that. It's so far above you. It's not a world love. It's a God love. And step number three, you and I are covered by his love. We are covered by his love. In other words, no matter what we've done, his love can cover it if we'll give it to him. First Peter 4 verse 8, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. In other words, God's love and forgiveness is bigger than your biggest sin. Let me say that one more time. God's love, grace, forgiveness, mercy, compassion is so much bigger than the biggest sin you and I could ever commit. So when you start saying, how can God love me? Remember that His love, you are covered by His love. It's so far above you. No, you don't deserve it, but freely He chose to give it to each one of you. His sacrifice, His act of love was more than enough for every one of us. Step number four. And the last step tonight, and that is this, his love is eternal. His love is forever. People fall in, people fall out of love. And again, as a result of that kind of image, we have built ourselves an understanding of what love is or what we think love is. Love is falling in love. Love is falling out of love. No, 
we've got to start realizing that love is eternal. God's love is forever. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 says this. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Romans 8 verse 38 and 39 says these words, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And everyone said, Amen. I wish I had more time, but read Luke chapter 15 when you get home. Luke chapter 15 has three incredible stories. The story of a lost sheep, the story of a lost coin, the story of a lost son. As I began to think about these stories, I began to realize that there are three similarities in every one of those stories. Here's the key elements of each one of those stories. Number one, in every story something was lost. The second part is this, the desire of the one looking for it. In the first story, he left 99 and went to look after one. The lady with the coins placed the ones down on the side and didn't say, well, nine is better than, you know, I'll live with nine. She put the nine down. The Bible says she took her broom, her wet vac, she took everything and she searched. She took her flashlight, she ripped her house piece by piece apart until she found that coin. Nothing was left unturned. And the third desire in that story is what? A father that went out every day and looked for his son. The desire that he had for his son. But you know what? There was a third part to every story and that is this. The celebration of finding. The shepherd, go and call everyone and celebrate the found. The lady with a coin, come on, let's have a P-A-R-T-Y. We're going to have a party because that which is lost is fine. Kill the fatted calf. Son that I thought was dead has come home. Put the ring upon his finger and all these kind of things. Do you realize that when Jesus was telling these stories, that's a picture of every one of us? Come on, that's a picture of you in God's eye. You're the one that he has searched for. You're the apple of his eye. You're the one that he longs for. You're the one that he moves everything out of the way to get to. You're the one that every day he's looking and longing and searching and waiting for you to come. Come back to Him. That's eternal love. That's the love of God for every one of you. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. No, listen to me. You don't understand. We don't deserve it. You're right. But yet He still chooses to love us. Because it's a love that's so above us. We can't fathom it in our minds. We've just got to accept it in our hearts. It's a love that covers the sin, the filth, the mistakes, the failures. It covers every one of us. It's a love that is eternal, not given today and taken back tomorrow. It's a love that grows and grows and grows. So tonight, why would God love you? He loves you because that's who He is. He is love. That's the God. That I 
serve. And because he loves me, Dale, because he loves you, because he loves each one of you, that makes me and you loved. And that's why he calls us his beloved. Because you are loved tonight. End of story. Why would he love me? Because he's love. Why would he love me? Because that's who he is. And that's what he's chose to be for every one of us. I pray that helped you tonight. Would you stand to your feet with me? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.